Welcome to the CEO Brain Food Podcast. My name is Michael Langhout, and I am the managing partner of Langhout International, which is a growth coaching, executive coaching service provider to mid-market CEOs and leadership teams. I've invited my producer, Harry Duran, to be with me on this podcast. So welcome, Harry. Hey, Michael. How are you doing today? Doing great. Uh, thank you, Harry. Just came out of a three-hour uh, meeting with some, some CEOs in, in the entrepreneur organization, a, a group that I'm affiliated with. And so I'm excited to be here to, to talk about coaching and talk about the podcast. So it may be good timing as some of these topics are probably top of mind for you. Right with it. Uh, the voice is uh, a little worn out. Uh, I try not to talk too much in those sessions, but uh, I'm excited. And so I do tend to use my voice quite a bit. So hopefully it will uh, hold up well. I think what's helpful for these introductory episodes is for you to give a bit of context so that they get a better understanding of who you are, a bit of your background, and why you think right now is a good time for you to start this podcast. Well, and that's great, Harry, and I'd love to uh, share briefly about that. I came out of university and MBA school at the University of Washington early on in my career, started out with a very large corporation, a Fortune 100 company, and I joined that company in a, in a sales capacity. I like to say sales and marketing, but in those days, I think this particular company, their idea of marketing is if they had a 50-gallon drum of uh, soda, Coca-Cola, something like that, they would put it to the end of the aisle in the bin and put a stencil on it that said uh, soda pop and sell it for uh, as cheaply as possible. So I was clearly in a commodity business, and that's what I learned, and that's what I knew. This is in the days before the internet. And so what I learned was the value of the relationship that you build with customers. That was one of the one of the key things that I've taken with me throughout my entire career in my life is that I, I'm very relational and I, I love to go deep with my associations and my, and my clients. But I learned what worked in the large corporation. I also learned what not to do. And more importantly, I learned that the large corporation was, was not for me. The first five or 10 years were growth and learning, and I was given increasing levels of responsibility, sales management, general management, full P&L responsibility for converting facilities, corrugated box plant. These would be companies that would be in the range of uh, 120 to 150 people running two or three shifts, 50 million in revenue, that type of a thing. So that uh, today we would call that, that role a, a CEO if it were founder-led. Uh, in those days, they were called general managers. But then I exited the company to really start my own business. And at around age 50, I did a career pivot. The kids were through college, and my wife and I decided that we wanted to take some risk. And so I stepped out and started a couple of companies over the next 10 years or so. One was in the healthcare services vertical, and it was new and different and it was really great and i learned so much there exited that company successfully and started a medical technology company with two other partners and that company was venture funded during those times i learned once again what to do and what not to do and i built a very very strong foundation in my own life 
around continuous learning. In those days, I was able to read. I've always been a very active uh, reader of business books. And I picked up a copy of The Great Game of Business, which is a book by Jack Stack. Another great book, uh, Mastering the Rockefeller Habits by Vern Harnish, who later published Scaling Up. These books had a very, very deep impact on me. After founding and running several companies of my own with successful exits, and by the way, not all were successful. I had one failure, and I think you learn even more through a failure than you do through a win. Definitely. The company that I had founded with two other partners, I'm reluctant to say was a failure. It was more of a missed opportunity. We were well on the road to monetizing some and commercializing some very critical intellectual property. We had some great patents. It was an implantable neurostim device to help people with hearing loss, like a cochlear implant. But we ran out of cash. And one of the key lessons that I learned through that process is the importance of cash and the fact that growth absolutely sucks cash like a vacuum. Anytime you want to grow a business exponentially, which is what I'm trying to do with my clients, we find that the pressure on cash is, is very, very high. And so when I started my coaching practice, I took the learning of 30 plus years in the corporate world and also my own entrepreneurial journey, which continues to this day. The company that I founded for my coaching is actually a, a for-profit company. So I I'm a managing partner there, and I have others that work with me. In starting my coaching practice, I've been able to construct a specific methodology and framework that I take to my clients that works very, very well. And that includes building a strong foundation of what I call your cores, your core values, your core purpose, your core customer, getting a very clear handle on that foundation and living those values and driving that purpose through the entire company. I find that that's a very big challenge and it definitely influences the culture, but that turf, if you will, is owned by the CEO. If the CEO is not living the core values, the rest of the company won't either. Culture is descending. It starts at the top, good or bad. And if there is a leader that is a bad leader, then the organization will have all sorts of problems that relate back up to that leader. If the leader is an excellent leader, evidenced by their adherence to the core values of the company and their dedication to the purpose, then the chances of that company succeeding are massively increased. I learned that it really is a terrific idea to engage all employees. You can't really build a culture and drive a business forward with constant growth without employees that are all engaged and performing at very high levels. So finding the right employees and placing those employees in the right positions is a critical piece that many companies miss. Jim Collins wrote in his book, Built to Last, that we should be getting the right people on the bus the bus being the analogy of the company, getting the right people on the bus in the right seats, doing the right things. And I would add to Jim Collins' work, doing those right things correctly. And there's a way to manage that and monitor that, that we like to use with our clients. 
Additionally, we would like to suggest that each company provide their employees a stake in the outcome. They're going to perform better if they are part of the process. What I learned is that people support what they help create. So if they're engaged in the business, helping with the creation of processes or the correction of processes, they have a stake in the outcome, they're going to be model, long-term, productive employees. Many times coming into a company, the new employee must get up to speed with the culture, but they also probably do not have a high level of business literacy or, as we say, financial literacy. So another point would be that it's important to teach the people about the business. That means teaching them about the financial statement, and it doesn't necessarily need to be the entire general ledger, but just basically the revenue, where does the money come in from, and then how does it flow out? COGS, the cost of goods sold, gross margin, the overheads, the fixed costs, the variable costs, all the way down to the profit before tax, and then, of course, the impact of tax, which most employees and most companies don't really understand at all. So we've got a very fun game that we play with that to teach them that. It sounds like this has been something that has been a passion of yours ever since you've had that renaissance at 50 when you decided to engage again in the world of business. And now with everything that you've learned in your past experience, it sounds like a lot of that is what you're now bringing to bear with your latest personal company where you're working directly with high-performing executives. Is that accurate? That is, Harry, and thank you for uh, summarizing that so nicely. Uh, yes, it's, it's a compilation of really a lifetime of learning. As Jack Welch at General Electric said many years ago in the, in the early 90s, it's not a matter of trying. It's just a matter of stepping up to the plate and taking a swing. And you may take a strike or two, but every once in a while, you're going to get a hit. I've had a couple of hits in my life, and I've had a couple of strikes. And so bringing all of that to bear with where I am today, with my clients, where I can help them, how I can be effective, it's really allowed me to succeed and be effective, which is my primary measure of success, is effectiveness. And effectiveness for me with a client is helping them to realize that they may have a missional purpose, some type of a massive transformational purpose that where they're going to change the world. But there's also a business purpose, and that business purpose typically is going to be to maximize enterprise value and generate cash. I really don't wander too far away from cash. If you're trying to grow your business, you have to have cash. We're going into what looks like a downturn coming at some point, and I say that only that I don't have a crystal ball, but I just know that what goes up comes down, and we've had a very robust economy with very low levels of unemployment for a long time, historically low levels. And so we're just on the side of the economic pundits that are saying at some point this has got to stop or slow down. It's important that we go into a downturn with what Jamie Dimon at Chase Bank calls a fortress balance sheet. Warren Buffett has a similar take on it, which is if you have an opportunity to acquire a business or launch a new product or do something during a downturn and you have cash, you can maximize the value of that particular transaction or that deal. If you go into a downturn without a strong 
balance sheet without a lot of cash, then you're going to have a hard time making your payments on your fixed costs, maintaining payroll, and will be very limited in your ability to capitalize on opportunity. When I look at Jack Stack, who I referenced earlier, who wrote the book, The Great Game of Business, at his company, Springfield Remanufacturing in Springfield, Missouri, since 1983, they have had phenomenal growth, exponential growth. During that time, they've never had a layoff, ever. And that's a policy that he's had because he wants to protect the jobs. It's one of his, one of his purposes is to protect, protect the jobs of the people that work there. And I just am highly inspired by that. That's very motivating to me as a coach. And I would like to see that type of behavior with my own clients. Once we teach our people about business and help them to understand how the money flows through the business, and by the way, that also means as an employee, I'm going to own a line item on that P&L or on that balance sheet. So if I am in sales and marketing, for instance, I might have uh, gross margin or I might have revenue. I might have those lines. If I'm in operations, you know, I may have facilities or I may have payroll if I'm in HR. That's what I'm talking about. There's a specific accountability that they're tied into. And so this really helps with forecasting because we teach about forecasting. We want to know where are we going to wind up the month and the year the only way we're going to know that is to have a comparator, which is our forecast. And then you compare that to the actuals that happen. So we do a lot of work with our clients to help them to understand the numbers and to forecast. So thinking back on how you've impacted clients in the work that you do, can you talk a little bit about why now is the perfect time for you to launch this show? Thank you for the question, Harry, and it's a, it's a good question. Uh, challenges me a little bit to even think about it. I would like to increase my reach. As a business coach, as a service provider, when you think about it, that business is really not scalable in and of itself. I mean, I have bandwidth. I have a calendar. I have 2,200 hours or 2,300 hours in the year, depending on how much time I want to spend, but basically that's what I have. And I can't really leverage beyond that on my own calendar with my clients. So leveraging the power of the internet to me is, is very powerful. One of my strong goals, a BHAG that I have, BHAG is another concept that Jim Collins developed. Uh, many of you may be aware of that and, and think about it, but it's a big, hairy, audacious goal. It's a 10 to 30 year goal. It's a goal that should be almost in your mind, almost unattainable. How in the world could I ever do that? And it should be maybe a little scary. And so the BHAG that I have is to impact 10,000 lives of leaders in a positive way. These would be leaders of companies, founders, CEOs of mid-market companies, to impact their lives in such a way that they have freedom and they're pulled out of their thinking about being frustrated, about lack of accountability, about being stuck and not being able to grow their business. If I could reach 10,000, there would be a multiplying effect and even more would know, even more would have the comfort in knowing that they're not alone and that there are others that have walked before them and that these techniques, these methodologies and frameworks that I utilize will give them that freedom that they're after. 
that's really the reason that I wanted to start the podcast was to create more leverage to get my concepts and words out to people and impact those many lives in the next 10 to 20 years. That's definitely a good reason as any. What type of content can listeners expect to hear in the upcoming episodes we'll be producing? It involves four key areas of anyone's business. And this could be a private enterprise, privately held. It could be a nonprofit, a social enterprise. It could be a church. It could be a government agency. It could be any kind of an organization. It, it just, it, it, it is universal and it, and it applies to, to any, any group. And those four are people. And in the area of people, I would include uh, leadership, leadership team, team function, individual behavior, interactions between people, and building natural work teams that can execute profitably on a strategy. The second category of business that I'm involved in is strategy. That's setting the critical direction of the company or the organization. Most companies that I work with are very, very heavily involved in, in executing on a strategy that is not well thought out. So we spend a lot of time in the strategic thinking area. Specifically, we're looking at a three-year target and identifying how we can be different from our competitors. It's the differentiation that counts. It's that differentiation allows us to succeed, to grow, to create more profit, to create more jobs and more value, more enterprise value. The field of execution is a study in and of itself. There are three areas that I focus on in the field of execution. The first being priorities. So we have to make sure that we're focused in on our priorities for the quarter or for the week or the month. And those would be aligned with the annual and the three-year initiatives and priorities. The second is data metrics. So when we set a priority, we want to make sure we measure it. So is it measurable? Can we measure it? And if we can, then we do. And we set uh, what we call a key performance indicator or a KPI that we're looking at. Everybody has one and they're held accountable to them. And then the third area in execution is how we're communicating with each other. It's a, it's a rhythm. It's a meeting rhythm, a daily huddle, which is a brief stand-up meeting, a, a weekly meeting with the leadership team, which is a lot of times an hour, hour and a half, something like that. We're talking about progress on priorities and, and strategy, uh, mainly trends in the market that we're seeing. You know, we're moving at the speed of the internet. And so where several years ago, we could make a strategy and set it in place and hold it for a year, now we need to look at it every week because it's possible that it could change dramatically this month or next month. You have to realize that there's someone out there that is probably in the process of disrupting your business model as we speak. So you need to have your business intelligence operating at a very high level to capture that trend. And so we talk about those in our weekly management or leadership meetings. So the meeting rhythms, the data metrics, and the priorities, those are the how we execute. And then the fourth area, we have people, strategy, execution. The fourth area is our financial literacy, our cash management. We want to make sure that we're generating cash, as we talked about earlier. So how do we do that? And there are cash acceleration strategies. There are 
ways in which we can find non-dilutive cash. That's cash that we don't have to pay for. That's already in our company. And there's about seven levers there that we like to pull to get the cash moving at an accelerated pace through the business. So doing all of that, I think it's important that we look back and say, all right, what's it all about? Sure, we can set the direction. We can be fanatical about execution. If we want to have a company that survives the decades and, and in fact thrives, like the example I used earlier with Jack Stack and Springfield Remanufacturing Corp., we need to be very strong in our belief about what we're doing, our values, our policies, and we need to be living those values and, and adhering to those policies that promote and sustain us through the time. And, and so that's what I teach, Harry. I mean, I, I am a teacher. Uh, I find that to be fun and interesting, but I don't want to do it in a classroom. I want to do it in the live, uh, live lab, if you will, which is the great locations that, I, that I'm working with uh, all around the country. In fact, I've, I'm starting to look internationally now into the Asian markets, uh, China, Japan, Southeast Asia. And so these methodologies and frameworks, the, the three of them that I've described, work well in any climate, any culture, with any leadership team. There may be some nuances and some differences depending on the country that I'm in, but the underlying value of the framework and methodology, along with the depth of experience that I've got, is really what I'd like to get out there and leverage through these podcasts that you're helping me with, Harry. So thank you for that. You're welcome. I think what's great is that what you've outlined is a framework for how you work with businesses. And through these podcast episodes, listeners will get a sneak peek into how you work and get a taste for what it's like to actually work with you. The podcast is aptly titled CEO Brain Food. And so with every episode, there'll be nuggets of wisdom and knowledge that they can put to use in their business right away. And what I love about the framework that we've selected is that it's easily consumable. They're going to be short episodes and we'll have some different segments that we'll be creating. So it's not just you talking about a specific topic. We'll also have you introduce some resources that you're currently working with and that are relevant to the topic at hand. And that'll include a video, an article, and a book recommendation. We'll make sure that each episode leaves the listener with a parting food for thought segment as well. That's right, Harry. And over time, you'll find that I will be referring to situations or opportunities that are out there that I've been dealing with as a coach, but I will never divulge the name of the individual or of the company unless I've been authorized to do so due to confidentiality, which I have with all of my clients. Yes, and in addition to that, I will be interviewing some of the authors of these articles and books as they come up, those that I find most interesting. And so we will have an interview format and also we'll be interviewing CEOs of companies that are demonstrating growth or that are experiencing high, high rates of growth. We want to discover what are their tips and tricks, what are some of the things that are happening in terms of how they are applying and leveraging some of the methodologies and frameworks that either I utilize or that they have uh, from someone else or even their own. We just want to keep this fresh, innovative, interesting, exciting, and fun 
And that is really what the, the game of business is all about, right? We want to be having some fun while we're building up the enterprise value. So listeners can hear the latest episode at ceobrainfood.com. And that's where we'll have show notes for every episode that's published and where you'll also be able to subscribe to the podcast on the podcast player of your choice. So all in all, Michael, I'm excited to be working with you on the launch and the production and marketing of this podcast. I think it's going to be a valuable resource for the leadership community. And I think that the experience you've had in business working with some of the highest performing executives in these corporations is going to be really valuable for this audience. Thank you, Harry. Yes, we're going to keep it upbeat and positive, and we will be curating the best information that I possibly can bring through my own client work, through reading articles, through reading books, through checking podcasts, other podcasts and videos to find those nuggets that really, really work. And I want to bring that to the table here at CEO Brain Food. So don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode of CEO Brain Food, which should be making its way to you shortly.